0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life podcast. For more information, go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.m.e. Everybody, welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Y'all enjoy the fire pits and the marshmallows and the, the cider. And uh, kids, who got to decorate a, a gingerbread cookie already, right? Y'all got? If not, make sure you do one on the way out. Let me tell you, here, here's the reason we're doing this. We think, first of all, you should have fun worshiping God. But second of all, you should have fun being together. You know, Christmas is about family, right? And, and sometimes we overlook the fact we are family spiritual family we are brothers and sisters with an eternal future we're going to be together forever so why not do a little bit of it on christmas eve wouldn't that be fun so on your way out hang out don't run away too fast and and uh you know have some s'mores and some roasting marshmallows or whatever uh you know people were walking around with them like torches that's really not the intent by the way (laughs) especially if you're going to throw them at somebody don't do that that but it's a great time to just hang around and talk and get to know each other better I, i was just talking to family after the last service he was wearing a Yankees a blue Yankees stocking hat like Santa hat kind of thing and so I was asking him obviously how he was disappointed in his New York team and how they're playing right now but it turns out he's from Arizona and is an Arizona fan and that made us have a whole conversation with with a family standing nearby about, about where you're from and somebody asked me where I'm from and I was from I'm from South Carolina I grew up here born and raised here and they said aren't you so proud to be from South Carolina I'm so sorry, South Carolinian brothers and sisters, but my answer was no. i to tell you the truth. It's not exactly, we're not making the headlines for all the right stuff, but that's all right anyway, so, but I'm from here. If you're new to Grace Life, my name is Jimmy. Actually, I grew up on a part of the family farm. I, every time I'd leave my house, I would see the house my dad grew up in. Turns out, outside of his time in the Navy, he has almost never left the state of South Carolina. So by definition, I think that makes him a good old country boy, right? Isn't that how that goes? Matter of fact, when he met my wife, they, they, he actually, this was, okay, I guess this it for the Navy. He actually made it to Europe. He flew over for our wedding. And at the airport, he, he saw her, and he stood there, and he talked to her, and she just stood there. And she was scared to meet her father-in-law for the first time. And, and she just smiled, and she nodded. And when he walked away, she said, what did that man say? She had never translated or even heard words like y'all and yonder and over there and everything. He just had a thick accent and all kinds of good country stuff to say. One of his favorite sayings was between a rock and a hard place. Come on, anybody ever heard that? I don't hear that anymore. I don't know if we just don't talk that way or what's going on, but I don't hear it anymore. My dad would say it all the time no matter what. So a good example of when it's appropriate, back before cell phones, there was actually a time when we didn't have phones in our pockets. And if you're driving around on Sunday, means there aren't many tow trucks at work, and it was raining, we would see a guy who maybe his car broke down, and he's in the rain, it's a Sunday afternoon, and he's out waving for somebody to, to, to help him. And my dad would say, looks like he's between a rock and a hard place. Come on, y'all know, there you go. But then he would say it at times it didn't make any sense at all. I'd come home from school and say, I got homework, and I don't want to do it. And my dad would say, looks like you're between a rock and a hard place. I'm like, seriously? Come on, man. I just, I just don't know what to do, do my homework. So I figured this would be a good question for us today. Have you ever been between a rock and a hard place? You ever ever had a situation in life where you figured there was no good way out, there's no good option in front of you? Well, to to make it more of a Christmas story, I'm going to complicate the question a little bit. You ever been between a rock and a hard place and God put you there? Come on, somebody in the room has got to know what I'm talking about. Where you can't see any way out and you're wondering why in the world he did this and what he's up to. If this has ever happened to you, I've got a story for you. The good news is, it's, it's the Christmas story. We hear it all the time. So if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles, it'll be in Matthew chapter one. If not, it'll be on the screen right behind my head. And we're going to look at what Joseph went through when he was in a situation like this. So story goes like this. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But Joseph, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and I'm just going to do a little time out there because I know it's Christmas and some of us maybe don't go to church as often as others, maybe don't read the Bible as often as others, and that is very confusing if this is new to you. One sentence ago, they were, they were pledged to be married, and in a sentence later, he is called her husband. Come on, anybody ever been confused by that when you read this? And the reason for it is really just cultural you see, we've got this thing in America that's very different today from the way the rest of the world has always been. And it's actually still kind of different from the way the rest of the world still is. And it's called we'll just date people and then, then break up with them just like overnight, like they don't even exist anymore. Some of us do this just on Facebook alone. You know, where you, you got a relationship on Facebook, so there's a little heart in a relationship. Next thing you know, their Facebook identity is just gone. Their profile is left everywhere because the girlfriend broke up with them or something. But in other cultures, especially thousands of years ago, In ancient cultures, if you were engaged, you were as good as married minus the benefits. That was the only difference. See, it came down to this. The family has already decided your family's good, our family's good, and we're going to make this thing work. You've already decided this is the person you're marrying or your parents have already told you this is the person you're marrying. And all you were waiting on was for the festivities to bring everything together. Nobody was out changing their mind. Nobody was shopping for somebody. Nobody was looking for anybody. Everything was done. The commitment was already set. I ran into this when when my wife and I were getting married because she's from East Europe and and, and her family, her sister was getting married right before us. And they did this weird thing there where both the man and the woman got an engagement ring. It turns out it was just their wedding rings. It was the exact same ring. They would just wear it on the opposite hand. And this was very strange for me to see my future brother-in-law who was yet to have a wedding already wearing a wedding ring. And I'm just learning the language, but I could swear every time they would call each other a name, they were using the word for husband and wife every time they would say something. But they're not married yet. And I'm saying, wait a minute, why are you doing this? Well, in their culture, just like ancient culture, they were as good as married. And they would just swap the rings from one hand to the other on the wedding day. So when we got engaged, they wanted me to go and get my ring. And I'm like, I don't get a ring until the wedding day. You people are crazy over here anyway. So here's the deal. They're not married as we think, but they're as good as married. And so it goes on to say, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind. Three very important words, had in mind. We're going to talk about those, so just hold on to that. But he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, some people uh, have even written books on what they think was happening here of how Joseph was just suddenly afraid of Mary because, after all, God had chosen her. That's a pretty tough standard to live up to. Come on, guys. Have you ever like met the father-in-law like on your first date, and you're like, yeah, never mind. I don't know. I can measure up to this. Right, anybody? Yeah. You you drove her, pick her up for her first date, and the house was a little too impressive. You're like, yeah, sure, not gonna make that kind of money. Okay, just imagine if God's already chosen this woman, right? Some people, you know, people come to me all the time. Hey, pastor, the the wife, pastor, we're pregnant. And right behind her is this guy, just kind of looks like he's seen a ghost. We're having a kid. I don't think I'm ready for this. So imagine if he says, we're having God's kid. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not ready for this, right? Okay, but the truth is, I don't think that's what's going on at all. Uh, that, there's a reason that an angel had to show up later and tell him that. I, I think what's really going on here is it says Joseph was a faithful man. He was faithful to the law, but he didn't want to embarrass her. Here's what that leaves. He leaves only two choices in his world. See, the first choice, according to Jewish law, if someone you're married to, even again, they're not married, but they're married, right? So the law is the same. If they've done something unfaithful and you need to deal with this, it was a public adultery trial. Can you imagine that? Like bringing everybody together for a court case to say she did this and she says it's God. I mean, come on, that'd be a crazy trial, right? The other option was a written bill of divorce where he would just write a paper and send her away. The problem even with that is just like today when you have to have something notarized, this written bill of divorce required witnesses. And you never know if witnesses are going to keep a secret. Y'all know what humans are like, right? You tell somebody, can you keep a secret? Next thing you know, it's on Facebook a week later. And and so Joseph's thinking, okay, I don't want to embarrass her. And anybody who has to sign this is going to somehow know, I don't know if I can trust them. I think we can say, as my dad would say, Joseph was between a rock and a hard place. He's got no good option. Pick up the story. But after he had considered this, after he's thinking about how difficult the situation is, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, isn't it amazing that hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, the exact circumstances were already told as to how that would happen? So when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. You see, we know Jewish, Joseph was a good Jewish man. And so as we see later in the story, we don't have time for today, but if you ever read it, all throughout his life, he's going to attend every festival. He's going to observe every religious holiday that there is. And we see times where he takes Jesus off to certain things and takes his family to certain things. And so if that's what his future is, we can also look back and tell that's probably something about his past. Because we already saw here in the story, it says he was faithful to the law. Where did that come from? It came from being raised as a really good Jewish boy. That meant often that he would go and hear the rabbi teach. Now, why am I telling you all that? Because there's a point here. That meant that most of the time he was hearing something said to him over and over and over. You know, when we go to church today, we have so many things that we talk about. We spread topics out for years because there are so many things. But if you can go back just over 2,000 years and you were to go and find a group of Jewish people worshiping, they had one sermon. That would show up almost every single time they came together. Because it was the only thing they cared about. And it was when things would finally be right. When would we finally have the Messiah come? When would we finally be delivered? I mean, for hundreds of years, the Babylonians kept us down. And then the Persians kept us down. And then somebody else kept us down. And today we suffer under the hand of the Romans. And everything is just wrong. When are we ever going to be delivered? It was like every Sunday you could almost bet somebody lunch. I bet your money the rabbi is going to talk to us about the Messiah today. I mean, just every single time you went. So imagine Joseph his whole life hearing those very words. Those words that were hundreds of years old. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and he will save their people. And now an angel shows up in his dreams and says, today's the day. And not only that, you're part of it. I'm going to use you to do this. Yeah, you bet he's going to obey that angel, right? I mean, that gives context. Sometimes we read the story and we wonder, why would he do that? Maybe he would have thought maybe the angel wasn't real. No, no, no. He's heard these words his entire life. And God says, I'm ready to do something great through you. So he keeps Mary and all live happily ever after, or at least for 33 years. But that's a story for Easter. Come back then. Here's the thing. In just a few sentences, eight if I counted correctly, Joseph's entire life is summed up. That was it. One of the most difficult decisions and challenges he's ever going to face was right there. And it's so easy to miss. Imagine if I did this to you, if I just said, oh, tell me about your life. Okay, so you met, you got married, you had kids, you got a job, you retired, you died. Don't you think we would somehow miss out on some of the more impactful things you actually went through? Like all of the drama of maybe Christmas Eve dinner with family, but I'm sure none of you are encountering that right. maybe some of the trauma that you go through in life as well. If you were to say to your grandchildren or your children, look, the one thing I want you to learn from my life is this, it would not have made those few sentences, right? And so the same way we look sometimes at what Joseph just went through and we miss what I think he would want us to see from his life. And it's those three words, had in mind. He had something in mind. You see, Joseph had a plan for his life. I just want you to think about it. Here's Joseph. He's a young man. He's got this beautiful girl named Mary. He's getting married to her. As far as the world's concerned, they're already married. He's already imagining in his head, someday we're going to take family vacations. We're going to stay in that that cute little boutique hotel by the Sea of Galilee, and I'm going to watch all my little Joseph's make sandcastles. It's going to be so awesome. And then I'm going to go to work at the carpenter shop every day. And when I come home from that, there's going to be fresh baked bread and fresh hummus that Mary made. It's just going to be an amazing life. And then, unfortunately, something non amazing comes in, at least in his perspective at the moment. And that is that she's pregnant and he didn't do anything to cause that. And so what he had in mind is no longer what he has in mind. But now the Bible tells us he has something else in mind. And that is that I've got to get out of this situation. I've got to figure out a way to have a future. My future that I had is completely gone. Now I've got to come up with another future. And I don't really know what I can do because option A isn't good and option B isn't good. But God had something else planned for his life. And so if I could cause us to to just step back and think a little bit on Christmas Eve, let me ask you this question. What might you have in mind that stands in the way of what God has planned for you? Joseph had great things in mind. Joseph would even tell you that what he had in mind, he would think was from God. I mean, after all, God is merciful and gracious. He grew up learning this about God. So here's Mary who has betrayed him in his mind. And so he's thinking, I'm going to act like God. I'm going to be merciful and gracious. I'm not going to expose her to trial. I'm going to do everything I can to protect her. He's going to think he's doing exactly what God would want. Turns out God had a completely different thing in mind. I think we need to stop and ask, why do we have one thing in mind? And and for each of us, it can be many different reasons. You know, for some of us, it's just this whole idea of what's always been done. It's either tradition or culture. Uh, It's always been done this way. It's what I've always been doing, it's what my mom did, it's what my dad did, it's what everybody around me is doing today. So it's what I am going to do. It's just like Joseph, he only had a couple of choices. What did Jewish law allow a good Jewish man to do? He wasn't even thinking outside of tradition. He wasn't even thinking outside of culture. I just got to do whatever's been done before me. But here's the problem. What God wanted for Joseph was not an option according to his culture or his tradition. And all too often, if we just follow the path that's been set by tradition and culture, we might actually miss out on the path God has set for us. Second thing that might cause us to have something in mind is just our reputation. I think Joseph was probably struggling with that one. I mean, on one hand, he's thinking, what are people going to say? If I marry her, people are going to do the math and say, what kind of man is Joseph? I mean, they can count the months, right? But if I don't marry her and I abandon her and she's already pregnant, people are going to say, what kind of woman is Mary? There's no way for either of us to get out of this thing with a reputation. And what God has planned for your life might actually also mess up your reputation, maybe in a good way. You know, God might want you to make a life change, to choose different relationships, maybe to say goodbye to one or to go back and say you're sorry to another and you're just not the kind of person that would ever be known as cowering, right? So, you know, maybe God wants to push back on your reputation a little bit, where we just wouldn't want someone to know us for something that God would want us to be known for. You know, another thing that can cause us to have something in our mind is simply our desires. We do what we want to do. And it's just that simple. But it's not really our fault, right? I mean, it's what people have always done to us. They just, what are you going to be when you grow up? I mean, even when you're a kid, you've got to answer a plan. Like, you've got to have this whole life plan. What are you going to do after college? Where are you going to college? And, and, oh, you're getting married? That's good. When are you having kids? You know what I mean? People just, they make you have this whole plan. So you get a plan in mind, and you just start working the plan. I'm going to go to college, and I'm going to get a job, and then I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to have kids, and I'm just going to do this thing. And we never stop to think, might God have something in mind other than what we have in mind? Because we just make this little plan. It just makes sense. You know, we're just we've got this thing where we're going to pursue career we're going to pursue education. But God, at some point in your life, comes and says, boom, I want you to pursue something else. But we have it in our mind. You know, I I meet a lot of young people. You know what they have in their mind is to get married. They just want to get married. And that's all that's on their mind. And so because you just want to get married and it's what's on your mind, you're not even willing to ask the question if this person that you're with is the right person, the one that God has for you, the one that's a part of your calling and a part of your destiny. You just keep thinking it's on my mind to be married and they're there every time I show up. So, hey, who's asking? I'll just leave that for whoever's struggling with that and what is going just go on. And then for some of us, it hurts. You see, here's the reality. I don't think anybody would have doubted Mary's story as much as Joseph. At least until the angel showed up. I mean, you think about this. He's got his dream girl, right? He's got his dream girl. If he didn't really like her, I know we know they did arranged marriages back then, but he would have had no problem humiliating her if she was an arranged marriage to an ugly person that, is, that he is hoping he could get out of, right? The whole reason that he wants to protect her from shame is because his heart is connected. He loves her, and now his heart's broken at least until the angel shows up. Because he's the first one that that had to hear the story as Mary comes in and says, hey, hey, Joseph, I've got to tell you something. And I didn't do anything wrong. I mean, just imagine the betrayal. Not only do you deal with what what has happened and you certainly don't believe the whole God did it story, but, but you're thinking, wait a minute, you're going to turn around and try to give me a lie like an angel showed up? I thought I knew you. You're not even going to tell me the truth with what just, I mean, just imagine the hurt that he feels. And so often what we have in mind, what we say, I'm going to do this, and this is the only option for me, this is the only option for my life. What I have in mind is just a reaction to how I've been hurt. I'm going to do something great with my life. I'm going to climb this ladder because my dad said never said I could. I, I, I'm just going to prove it to that person that I'll be good at this, or I'm going to do that because of that, or, or whatever it is. And the problem is when when we see life out of hurts, we don't see clearly. We don't see spiritual things. We definitely don't see what God is doing in our lives. Because all we see is the pain. I think many of these were going through Joseph's mind. Reputation, tradition, culture, hurts, they, they were all there. It's why he had it in his mind to divorce Mary quietly. But that wasn't God's plan for him which is back to what my dad would always say. He was between a rock and a hard place. He had a plan. God had something else. Marry her. He's going to appear guilty. Leave her. She is ashamed. There's no good answer. So you know what happens when you're between a rock and a hard place? Exactly what happened to Joseph. You reconsider your options. Largely because you don't have any, right? Right? I mean, if you really use that phrase correctly, you're looking around and going, "There, there is nowhere to go. And so you begin to think of things you've never thought. You begin to ask questions you've never asked. And maybe most importantly, you begin to pray in a way you have never prayed. Because you and anyone around you has gotten you to where you are. And finally, you say, you know what, God, I need you to do something none of us can figure out. As far as we're concerned, we're stuck. Every option in front of us is no good. And when you find yourself trapped like that, you'll actually be able to hear God tell you something you've never been open to hearing before. You'll be willing to do something that God says you were never willing to do before. So I want to leave us with this thought for Christmas Eve, if I could provoke everybody just a little bit. Christmas is about Jesus coming into the world, right? He's coming into the world, coming into our lives, coming to save mankind. And often we can talk about the Christmas trees and the time together and and God loves us so much that he does that, that we can miss asking the question, because Jesus came into the world, how has he changed your life? How has he changed your life? Think about this. Joseph had something in mind. And then Jesus came into his life quite literally. Rather invasively, you might say. Joseph wasn't looking for what Jesus was going to do, just suddenly show up. Hey, Dad. The question for us is, what is God changing in your life because Jesus has come into it? It should make a difference. Everything changed. Joseph had plans. They were on a little trip. It was a little census check-in. We're just going to go, get registered. We're going to go back home. But now he's suddenly the father of God's son on earth. And kings want him dead. So now he's got to go live in another nation just to keep his family alive. He had a thriving business he'll never go back to. He'll spend the rest of his life trying to figure out what to do with this kid called Jesus. Probably like most of us, we had it in our mind. He had it in his mind. His his son's going to grow up, he's going to get married, he's going to have kids. And he's going to die before his children and before his children's children. That's just the natural order of life. It wasn't in his mind to watch his son be crucified 33 years. You see, here's the thing. What was in Joseph's mind was, hey God, I've got a simple plan. I've got a good, good trade. I've got a good degree. If you just let me go to work, let me come home, give me this nice, reasonable, steady paycheck, let me have my kids. Let us live our life. It'll be good. That's, that's really all I ask for. But maybe for you, God's doing the same thing that he did for Joseph. And to show up and say, you know what? I've got something better in me. Yes, it's going to come with a little bit of a change of plan. And it might come with a little bit of pain. But instead of just going to work every day and having some kids, how about I use you to change history? How about you be part of changing the world? People will talk about you for thousands of years to come. How about that? I just want to encourage you this Christmas Eve. If you are between a rock and a hard place, as some of us are, and if you're not, you probably were a few months ago, and if somehow neither of those are true, don't worry. 2018's coming. When you find yourself between a rock and a hard place, don't resent what God might be doing because God might be trying to open your mind to take your mind off of the small earthly dreams you have for yourself and to put your mind on something so much greater you couldn't fathom it if you tried, right? now, All we have to do is find ourselves in a place where there are no options and then we might, might finally say, okay, God, what do you have in mind? I want to close by talking to those of you that well to be honest jesus has yet to invade your life maybe you're just with someone because you have christmas eve dinner with them right after this maybe you're just in town visiting family maybe you hear me every single sunday it doesn't matter where you are or where you've been but see the the thing is that happens we come together and we talk about jesus coming into the world as though it's a distant thing jesus came for all of humanity but what every single one of us has to do at some point is we have to have that conversation with God. It's not just once a year we should talk about Jesus coming. It's today that we need to talk about him coming for me and for you. And if you've never had that exchange, I want to help you do that here today. If you've never made Jesus your king, if you've never allowed Jesus to change your life like he did Joseph, to be a part of your life and to give you a new plan, I want to help you do that here today. The good news is I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down front. I'm not going to do anything that would embarrass you. I'm just going to help you begin a conversation with him. Would you all join me and pray? Right where you're seated, just say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came into the world as a man, even as a baby, so that you could save me. Because you died for me, I want to live for you. I thank you for your love, for your mercy, and your forgiveness. And my simple prayer here today is that you'll do for me what you did for Joseph. And you'll give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Me and on Twitter at gracelifechurch. Church.